Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 6. We were talking last week about Adam and Eve and the creation and how God asked them to name the animals and how he called them to tend the garden. And he, he, from, the, from the very get-go, God had responsibilities for them. He had things for them to do. And from the moment that you were created, God has been forming and fashioning you for the very thing that he's been, what he created you to do. And so I want to encourage you to um, allow God, maybe consider that there's something unique that God has for your life. Maybe you know what it is, but that you'll have the faith to actually begin to live it out. Because it's one thing to know you have a purpose. It's another thing for you to choose to live in it to choose to, to actually to allow God to use you in that purpose. And so many times I know we get purpose and we automatically think ministry behind a pulpit in the church. If that was the case, the, the, the world would go to hell in a handbasket real quick because that's what we'd be all called to do, right? No, the reality is, is every one of us have purpose and it's in the marketplace, it's in the schools, it's in colleges, it's in workplaces, it's in different areas in this world that we're called to do certain things, Right? And so I want to just really help you understand the significance of what God has for us. And I think we downplay it sometimes because we don't fully understand it. And if you were to have God show you what he's wanting to do through your life, you'd be blown away at the end of it. I think if we were all have a snapshot picture of what our life could look like with working with God, I think we'd be blown away and probably terrified at what we could accomplish with God. And so Genesis 6 kind of unveils an aspect of that that I think is super crucial. And we tell these stories and we get so used to them. That's the only thing I don't like about us as Christians sometimes is we read the Bible and we know the story and we assume because we know the story we're doing it. Because we know the story, we assume that there's no more that, that there's within that text that it speaks for us. I learned that in Sunday school. I learned that with those felt characters. If you're old enough, you know. You know, even Sunday school, if you're old enough, you know. <laughs> right? Like, like that, that's an important aspect. So before we get started, I first want to say, look, if you're new to, to Reach Church, we want to welcome you this morning. We believe that God has something unique for your life. Come on, that's, yeah, that's, we, we truly believe that you're not just a number, that God has something so unique for you. And that's literally why our church exists, is to help you discover your purpose and to live it out. So again, we're honored to have you. We would love to get to know you and become a part of the family. Um, so next thing is this in Genesis six, we're going to read nine and we're going to read through 22. We're going to read some text this morning. We're going to read some scripture. Y'all ready? How many of y'all been doing any Bible reading plans this, this year? Let's raise them high. Let's, let's say, okay. How many of y'all going to keep going? You gonna make it through January. All right. That's, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Chapter, uh, chapter six, verse nine. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. That is pretty significant. That's pretty crazy. It says, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all of this corruption in the world for everyone on the earth was corrupt. Everyone. Everyone on the earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures. For they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe 
them out all out together along with, I mean all out along with the earth. All right, wow, what happened? <laughs> like it just got real serious real quick here. It says, build a large boat from cypress wood and, and waterproof it with tar inside and out. The, const- the construct and con- then construct de- decks, wow, and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat and you and your wife and your sons and their, lot and their, and their wives bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take all on board enough food for your family and for all of the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for a man that was willing to say yes. Uh, A man that was in fellowship with you, God, that knew you, that walked with you. And God, I pray that this room would be full of Noah's, God, that are called to build something significant for, their, for the kingdom, that through their lives, God, that many people will come to know Jesus. And Lord, that out of that, God, that you'd be made more famous than you were yesterday. If you believe that, say amen. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title is this, Let's Build Something. And now before we get too serious, I have something, I do have something to say. I, I want to say something that from the start will change your life. You hearing me? I'm going to say something that will change your life. After church, go to Andy's and get a cookie butter custard concrete. I'm just telling you. It's going to change your life. You may not remember this sermon, but I promise you after you eat that cookie butter thing, you're going to be thanking me for this sermon because it will change your life. All right, back to the uh, sermon. You know, I don't know if you've ever been picked for something, uh, some special role. Someone said, hey, oh, like there's something that needs to be done. And like, oh, you can ask, you can ask Jason to do that. You can ask Agardo, you need a good haircut. And there's like these responsibilities that get put on you. And you're like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I really, isn't it interesting? Like how in certain things we all get kind of thrown out. It's like, oh, you need to do this. You should do this. You should do this. And we have these special roles that we get put on us because we maybe are maybe gifted or talented. This is kind of what's happening with Noah. Noah is like asked to do something. However, there's never been a boat built. I tried to look up research. Like, was this the first boat that was ever built? And there's not really any, there's nothing that really, you know, there's nothing I could just like confidently say, yeah, this was the first boat, but I'm pretty sure it was probably the first boat. Um, because first of all, there was no rain ever before there was like none of this stuff was this was a very unique situation and the responsibility that Noah is given is very much maybe not as as maybe like your life is not going to be as significant as something God's going to going to ask you to hey save the world build a build an ark I don't know if you've ever been to the ark experience in Kentucky that thing is huge like I was I was expecting something big but it's mind-blowing when you go there. Think about this church. This church is 150 feet long. 450 feet. I mean, we're talking like back to the next property line. 
how long it is. I mean, it's like forever high. I mean, you go one deck and you're like, okay, that's massive. Now I understand how all the animals can be. I mean, like it was so big when I went to the Ark experience, like they had like, like dinosaurs that could have been on there. I'm like, really? A pterodactyl? I don't know about that. <laughs> like there was small pterodactyls on there that they had on there. I'm like, I don't know about that. It's kind of stretching it, but maybe, maybe there were, maybe. I don't think the Tyrannosaurus made it on there, but <laughs> I would have eaten everything. But the significance of this role that Noah is given, I don't think he understands the significance of it. And that's important for you and me to understand because I don't think sometimes we understand the significance of a role that God is giving us. And, and until we understand, here's the reality that we, you and I have to do is we have to be convinced if God says something that we need to do, we need to do it because there's something significant behind it. And so we need to say yes to it, not because, we don't under, not because we understand it, but because we believe God and his voice. There's something that you got to pick up in this story at the very beginning. And if you miss it, you miss pretty much everything. Because God is very, here's the one thing we know is that God is walking the earth. And God knows the heart of every man and woman. He is searching the earth for a redeemer, for a rescuer. And he finds one. One person to do something so significant. I mean, if you're building a 450-foot boat, you know, whatever, how, how wide was it? Like 90, four, 75 feet wide, 45 foot tall, you would hope to find more than one. But he found one and his family. And I think that we downplay the significance of our lives. And we look at problems in the earth and we say, what can one person do? Well, what can one person do? Because one person saved the entire humanity. This, the whole, all of humanity was rescued by one person. But how? I'm glad you asked. Because this is how. It says this in verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a, say it with me, righteous man. A man that was blameless. Was he perfect? Nah, wasn't perfect. And I think sometimes this is one of the biggest, I truly believe that this is one of the biggest reasons why people don't pursue their purpose is because they don't think they're good enough. They think that they've messed up so much that there's no way that God can use them. Isn't it amazing that we talked about this morning the mercy is new every morning? Did you know this morning you can start over? You can, God gives you grace to start over? And this is the important part. He says this. He says, and he, this is where we got to, this is where it's the most important one, is that he walked in fellowship with God. See, many of us want to do things for God, but we're not walking at the level of with God that we should be. And so those other things are more important than what God is saying. So here's this first point that I want to set up. Is I, want, I want to say this because I think this is an important aspect for all of us to understand. For all of us to truly successfully fulfill the call of God on our lives. Every one of you have a call of God on your lives. There's not a single person in here that doesn't have something very unique to offer humanity that isn't have an answer for some problem, that doesn't have a purpose for the world, every one of you have it. And here, so here's the key thing. If we want to do that, 
This is what Noah did, and, and this is an important part of it, is our intimacy with God determines our involvement with God. We will never be more involved with God than we are intimate with him. Find me someone that is doing more for God than they are intimate with God, you won't find them. Because there's a direct correlation with why Noah was willing to do what he was doing. It was directly correlated with his, his, his intimacy with God was his involvement with God. And here's the other thing, is God was only willing to let somebody be involved at the level of their intimacy. So God has something for many of you in this here this morning, but your intimacy with God is off. And so therefore God hasn't fully asked you to do what he's called you to do because your intimacy can't handle, your, your involvement can't handle it until your intimacy increases. Because here's the other side, the, the pressure that comes with you doing what God's called you to do is requiring your intimacy with him because he's the only thing that will sustain you. I'm preaching way better than a few of you are, amen, but that's okay. So when we hear this blameless and righteous, we automatically begin to, oh, I'm out, right? Like when we hear that, like, I'm not Noah, I can't do that. I'm not Jesus, I can't do that. The word righteous means to be in pursuit of. It's not that you are perfect. It's that you're in pursuit of God. It's that you're in, you're in pursuit of his plan for your life. A righteous person is not perfect. It's a person in pursuit for God's plan. God, what is it that you want for me? I'm righteous only because of God's blood, Jesus' blood, and me pursuing the plan of God for my life. That's what makes me righteous. It's not because I did something and I was like, I was good enough. No, none of us are good enough. It is that God is good enough, and it's in that intimacy with him that causes me to be involved with him. Look, fellowship establishes the level of participation we accept. How many of y'all know if a stranger walks up to you, let's just hypothetically do this. If a stranger walks up to you and says, hey, can you pay my bill? You're like, um, no. Why? It directly, now if your best friend comes up to you or one of your family members comes up to you and says, hey, could you help me pay this bill? You'd be like, yeah, what's going on? You say yeah before you even figure out. Why? Hold on, let me help you. The level of intimacy. Right? Think about that. That your participation with helping somebody pay a bill is directly correlated with your relationship with them. It is direct, that is the exact same thing that God, God is searching the earth and he finds one man that he's been in fellowship with that is righteous. Not perfect, righteous. And he says, hey, Noah. Noah, okay, I'm just living this out. I'm like fleshing this out. It's kind of fun for me. When I'm like, I'm living out Noah. Noah is asked, hey, God asked Noah. So here it is. Hey, Noah, could you build me a 450 foot long boat, 75 foot wide, 45 foot high, three decks? You don't see Noah arguing with him. God, that's ridiculous. Why would I build a boat? We don't need a boat. There's no rain. There's never rain. It's not even dew on the ground. Like you see the level of them working with each other, God asks Noah to do something. He doesn't say, well, where's all the stuff, blah, 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 blah. He just says, okay, well, I'm going to get a hold of my boys and we're going to start doing something. We're going to start cutting trees by faith and whatever they do. Imagine that their, their level of participation is directly correlated with the fellowship they're, they're having. You know, the collaboration of man, as I, as I read this, the collaboration of man is a necessity to the sin problem surrounding you. See, we look at sin and we say, God, you need to fix that. And God sees sin and he says, hey, you need to help them. Yeah. 
We all look to God to fix the sin problem instead of us using our purpose and our participation with God to to fix the sin problem. God gave you a purpose so that you could show them the power of the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that we, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You are way more involved in this than you really think you are. Or let me say it this way. You are way more involved. You should be way more involved than you think you are. The, God, the plan of God for what he wants to do through your life is way more significant than you could imagine. God searched the whole world for a person to work with him. I mean, the world wasn't as big as it is today, but it was still big. I mean, we know that by the time, I mean, there's millions of people at this stage in the game. And God is searching to find someone to work with him, to collaborate with this plan. I mean, this is a significant plan. This is like, hey, I've got to do some, we've got a sin problem, and I need to work with someone to help me fix the sin problem. God didn't send his angels down to start building an ark. Sometimes we get so spiritual that we become no earthly good. That we just assume, well, God will just do, if God wants it, he'll just get it done. No, he'll find a man or a woman. That will say yes to him because they're in fellowship with him. And they would love, they would, they would way more please God than disappoint and say no to whatever it is, the plan that God has for him. Regardless of how big and significant it may be. Oftentimes we, dis, we disqualify. I'm just thinking about how Noah could have so easily said, God, but do you know I'm a sinner? Like he could have so easily disqualified himself from building the ark. Because how many of y'all know that's what we do, right? When, we, when God asks us to do something, do you know my past? Do you know my attitude? Do you know my thoughts? Do you know my reactions? Do you know my insecurities? Do you know my, my faults? Isn't it so easy and so quick that we disqualify ourselves while God is spending all of this energy trying to qualify us? We don't see God saying, well, no, I know you did mess up um, in, um, you know, two years ago. I really want you to build the boat, but you did mess up, but I'm, still gonna, I'm just going to overlook that. He doesn't spend time telling Noah about his past. He tells God, hey, he, uh, God tells Noah, hey, I'm going to qualify you to do something that I need you to do. What do we do? We spend our days, our years disqualifying ourselves from what God has called us to do. I can't do that work. It'll be blah, blah, blah. I can't do that for my family. I can't do. And we disqualify the very thing God has created us for. Can I tell you, just to help you quit disqualifying yourself. If God is willing to come to you, and ask you to do something, you don't need to worry about being disqualified. This is with Noah. Noah is like, okay, God, whatever you've called me to do, I'm willing to do it. God, I'm willing, I'm willing to do whatever it is. So many of you are not participating because of your past and even your present choices. That may be one of the things. That may be the very reason why you're not participating at the level that you really want to is because of your past or your present. Because you know what you think. You know what your thoughts are. You know your reactions. You know the sin problem in your life. You know these things. And so you're like, God, I can't. I got to get cleaned up first. And maybe you do. And maybe there are certain seasons of those. But I think for most of us, it's us disqualifying ourselves while God is spending all of his energies trying to say, yeah, it's you. You're the man. You're the woman. Don't allow your past to keep you from accepting the opportunities. Hear what I said, opportunities. There are opportunities before us. 
Now, it may be for you, you've been trying to disqualify yourself. And if it's, you know, if it's a desire to do something, oftentimes what we do is we disqualify ourselves based on those things instead of allowing it to be like, okay, God, your word trumps whatever I may feel in my heart. Now, if it's a passion problem, I can't really do much for you there. I think we have sin problems and we have passion problems. Now, sin, if we're sinning, it's a direct, and we're not passionate about whatever God has got for our lives, it's a direct correlation to our sin problem. I know in, in my life, if I'm sinning, I am way less passionate about God. The more passionate I am God with God and doing what he asked me to do is directly correlated to my intimacy with him. And I think that we, you know, even here, the, the, he's, because this is another one we use, age. Noah was 600 years old. What's your excuse? <laughs> well, I'm 65. Noah was 600. Building a boat, some pretty physical, pretty physical work. Right? Like, we disqualify ourselves for the craziest things. And Noah's like, hey, you're 600, you're perfect. <laughs> because you're blameless, I'll take you. 600 years old. Build the biggest boat anybody's ever seen. With your bare hands, no power tools. DeWalt wasn't out then. <laughs> you know, it's like, get the saw, hand saw, and cut that tree down. No chainsaws, still, you know, it's like, no, just let it do all this manual work. Like, there are so many opportunities. And we would, like, we get so full of opportunities to give ourselves excuses for what it is that well I can't do that God if you get passionate you'll do whatever it takes build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof with tar inside and out the construct and construct decks and stalls I mean he goes through this whole list of things look I'm about to cover the earth with the flood The second thing that I want to set up is this. Because to know that you are called is one thing. To agree and accept that calling is another thing. There was, there was quite a while before I accepted. I knew that I felt like God was calling me to ministry, to speak in public, to talk in front of people like you. So that you could look at me and judge me or say, oh, yeah, or not. I, that was just terrifying to me. Okay, it still is sometimes. See, so how many people can I put to sleep? You know, it's like, but, but there was a point where I knew I was called. I knew that God was putting something in my heart. And there was a space between me accepting it and me knowing it. And for every one of you, if you're honest in the room, there's that gap. There's that space between you knowing what God is calling you to and you willing to accept it. So participation isn't just like knowing it. Participation will always require your agreement and effort. Do you know that God told him to build a boat and that boat didn't get built by itself? He gave him the plan. This is the cool thing is that God gave him a plan. He said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you. I want you to build it this long, this wide, this high. At the very top, I want you to build an 18-inch gap at the top. Like there are things that God knows about what he's calling you to, and he gives you the plan. And also at the same time, 
It's not like Noah said, I don't have any of these supplies. All of a sudden, things just started appearing. Like, he's like, okay, that's how I can do that. That's how I can do that. And so many times we put all of the pressure on ourselves to try to figure it out. Well, that's just, I don't know how I'm going to happen. I don't know. I, I can't do this. And we put so much effort into the fact of trying to tell God I can't do this because I don't know how. Instead of putting effort into the, okay, God, you called me to this, so let me just lead me. Yeah. Noah had to build something that had never been built. Noah had to do something that had never been done. And quite frankly, many of you, there may be things that you're going to do that maybe somebody else hasn't done. So would that stop you? Well, God, that's no way. There's no way you could be asking me that because that's never been done. I'm, no one's ever had a ministry for penguins. I don't know. I'm just saying. Holly, that's yours. That's your calling. Right? Like, I mean, you just never know. Like, there could be all kinds of different things that God's calling us to because God knows that within that penguin group, there's going to be some people that are going to come and see that and she's going to be able to minister to them. They're going to be weird, but... You're going to be able to minister to them. It's like cat people, you know, they're just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Is this live? <laughs> Got to have a little fun. But here, the, here's the deal. Like every one of us are going to have to come to a point where we're willing to have agreement and effort comes with agreement. God, God didn't say build the boat and Noah said, okay. And then he just went out there every day to see how far the boat was going. No, he had to put his effort and energy into it. He had to come into agreement with God. Okay, God, I'm in on that. How many of you, God's been telling you what to do, but you're yet to come into agreement with it? You're, you're yet to say, okay, yes, God. See, some of y'all know, but you have not said yes to God. You know what it is. And you've been putting it on the shelf and you'd walk by it every day. You walk by it in your phone, on your little dreams board. You, and, and you walk by things but you haven't agreed with it. God is not going, God cannot change the world without agreement. God cannot do what he's calling to do to save the world without you and I agreeing to say, okay, I'm willing to do that. There had to come a point when God was calling me into ministry that I had to agree. And to agreement, I had to be willing to leave other things to accept it. And that's where most of us say no. God, I don't have all this time to build an ark. Are you kidding me? I can't put all my energy into this. I've got to raise a family. Like there is so many opportunities that if you were to go through Noah's life, he could have given you a plethora of excuses of why he can't agree with that. And nothing happens until Noah agrees. That boat is simply a plan until Noah said, puts his hands to it. Look, without time and energy, you won't see the possibility of miracles. It is going to take your time and your energy to see miracles. Nowhere in scripture do we see that people are just in a synagogue and all of a sudden their hands just come out and they're, they're healthy. And leprosy just falls off people. It always required time and energy from somebody else. Stretch out your hand. Let me lay hands on you. Leprosy falls off. Like open the Red Sea. The staff still had to be stretched out. Like you understand that time and energy is a requirement for the purpose of God in your lives. You knowing it is not good enough. You agreeing with it is necessary and required. The ark, check this out. They estimate that the ark took 55 to 75 years to build. 
How about, I mean, think about your plan and your purpose. If your purpose is like 75 years, and you don't see anything for 75 years, but you're just doing what God's called you to do for 75 years. Now, that would be the equivalent for us doing like 30 years and not seeing anything. Like, I mean, God, I'm not seeing anything. Like, you, I'm building the boat. Yeah, the boat's great, but really? Like, all I'm hearing is a bunch of cackling from people out in the city saying, uh, nice boat, buddy. What are you going to do with that? Oh, we're going on a vacation cruise for, seven, for 195 days. You're not going to be invited. <laughs> Woo, right? <laughs> right? 75 years he built something and used it nine and a half months. That's discouraging. 55 years you build something, 75 years you built something, and it's over in nine and a half months. The boat's no longer needed. So see, what, what am I learning? What, am, what are you learning in this moment? See, we need to understand that this is important because sometimes it takes longer to build it than it does to use it. And, and we've got to understand that it doesn't matter. It's not about how long we use it. It's about the fact that can God use it? It's, about, it's, not, it's not the fact that it may take longer than you thought. It's the fact, can God use it? Can God use it? See, here's the reality. We are in agreement with something. We are putting our time and energy in something. It may be swiping and our thumbs and our fingers and our eyes are on, pho- on phones and video games and TV and energy. And we're doing all these things. And I'm not saying those aren't wrong. Like, I understand that people need to get space and time to do things. But when you're swiping and you're, and you're spending all of your time and energy on that to, so you, and you're not in agreement with God's purpose, that's a problem. If you say you don't have time to do what God's called you to do, but you've spent 17 hours on whatever you're spending time on, that's a problem. Because that, this is the problem, is that the boat still sits there as a plan and not an opportunity to be built. And every one of us, are, are have, we have something that God is giving us. He's given us a plan. And in this moment, we can say yes to it, or we can say, I can't agree with that yet. God, I'm still swiping. When I get through these reels, I'll get to you. The problem with those reels is they never end. The problem with Instagram is you can scroll until your phone dies. Right? Like, you, you can play a video game and still just get new people, just add new lives. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, like, the whole point is you can watch games until, like, football, and you're like, okay, then I'll watch, you know, I'll watch European football, and then I'll watch, I mean, it's like, it's endless. If you want to not agree with God and not come into agreement with him, guess what? There will be something to fill your time. But God is meaning business here. He's like, here's the deal. Like, we're starting over. And to, to understand the significance of what he was asking Noah... The weight of what he was asking Noah to do, the weight that he's asking for you to do, the thing that he's calling you to do and he's asking you, he's been asking you and putting weightiness on you to minister to that employee because you don't know the life and how long that person's going to live. The fact that he gave you a business and you've chosen to make it what you want instead of what God wants. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, Like, there needs to be some weightiness to our purpose. 
that the next time that someone comes in and in the atmosphere that they walk into, that they sense the presence of God and they begin to ask you questions about your life and about what God is doing in you and, and how he's taking you from there to there. That's where things change. God doesn't just give us finances and do the things to make us rich. He's calling us to make us purposeful. He, he's making Noah a man who's going to be known for the rest of his life. And you and I can thank him for building that ark. Because we're a product of Noah's work and his commitment and his agreement to something. I know that's kind of crazy, right? But your, your great uncle Noah helped you out. He saved us. See, here's the thing. You know others could have joined him when they saw the ark? I mean, I'm just saying, if I see something that big, if you've ever seen it, you'd be like, dude, I want in on that. <laughs> That's kind of cool. But you know what? No one was banging down Noah's door or his boat to help. But they could have. They could have had a change of heart but they didn't. Other people could have joined in, but they didn't. And look, there's like, we cannot, we, we've got to do what God's called us to do, regardless of whether anybody agrees with what we're doing or not. If God has called you, he's anointed you. If he's anointed you, he has purposed you. If he has purposed you, there's something significant to do. And we can keep telling God, God, I really don't have time. Guess what? God knows all the time that you have. <laughs> so you cannot keep telling God that. You can tell yourself that, you can tell your wife that, you can tell your kids that, but stop lying to God. The uniqueness of how God made you is crucial. It's crucial to how you will contribute. Like God is not going to have me saving cats. It's just, I'll call Holly and Holly can save a cat. That's the real, like there is a uniqueness in her that has a heart for certain things that God's put in there. And there have, other, there have been people by doing those things that help help like relieve her, like relieve people because of her knowing that she, the cat's been rescued. Right? Like there is this uniqueness in every one of us. And sometimes we just downplay that uniqueness. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just, no, God formed and fashioned you with a uniqueness that somebody else doesn't have. So that you could do something that somebody else isn't doing. And there's these passions on the inside of you that God is calling you to. And you chop it up as I'm just weird. Instead of understanding, no, you're unique. Some of you are weird and unique. But still, you know what I'm saying. Look, there's a special way that you were designed. And a special thing that God's called you to do. And we got to understand that, that there is this uniqueness about each and every one of us. Don't let the uniqueness of your participation, I mean, don't, don't let it hinder how you participate. Don't let your uniqueness hinder how you participate in what you're called to. Some of y'all are so scared because of your uniqueness that you're not willing to step out there and be used. Sometimes I'm wondering, like, why did God call me to do this? I'm pretty unique. Pretty weird sometimes. But God called me to do it. And in that, that's what I have to accept. I have to be willing to be what, do whatever God's called me to do because he's anointed me to do what I'm called to do. Here's my question for you is what is he asking you to build? Not an ark. 
What is he asking you to agree in? What is he asking you to participate in? Because he is asking. But your level of intimacy determines whether you're hearing him or not. How many of y'all know that there's a radio, right, and it has different frequencies, and that radio, you turn the knob, or you put the station on, and you hit the button, and it does whatever it does, and until it hits the right frequency, that sound doesn't come out. Until you get into intimacy with God, that frequency doesn't change, and you don't hear what God's asking you to do. God's been asking you to hypothetically build an ark for years, but that intimacy has kept you from wanting it, from hearing it, from desiring it. God is saying, will you build this ark? Here's the cool thing. God will use the resource. Sometimes we're like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Like, how, how am I going to do this? Guess what? Do you know what Noah didn't have to know what God was told? God told Noah to do what he was called to do. And all the resources that he needed to build it were there. See, some of y'all think that you've got to go through all of these different things to get to the purpose that God's calling you to. And here's the fact and the matter is this, is the resource is already there. But you've got to be willing to accept the thing. And then all of a sudden you will see, oh my gosh, that's what those cypress trees are for. He'd been living with cypress trees, but he never thought about building a boat until the plan of God came. And then he's like, boat, tree, tree, boat. Okay, got it. What am I saying is that what I'm saying is that when you get passionate about God, the resources that have been there the whole time, you'll start seeing as an opportunity. You've been walking past my God. I don't know what God is going to do with me. And as soon as you get in tune with him, you start to see, oh my gosh, that's what that's been there for. That's why you made that uniqueness thing about me. Okay, I get it. That should bring freedom to you to know that the resources are already there. What is, whatever it is that you're called to do is already there. You've just got to be willing to get to the point where you're willing to say, okay, I see it now. Here's another thing. The skills are there. You know, whenever God called me to pastor the church and to, and to, to become a preacher, the skills were already there. They were deep, deep, deep down inside somewhere. Really deep. But they were there. And guess what I had to do? I had to believe that they were there. See, the skills are there, but oftentimes what lacks is the heart. Oftentimes what, what's not there is the desire. Think about it. I was called to ministry way before I ever actually accepted it. My, my, my mom, actually Alicia found this. She was reading through my books, my baby book that my mom had, and she was reading through it, and she, I had never read this. And she was like, did you know and she said, it says that we always have to go to church. I was like three or four. And I always had, she's like, we always have to go to church because Brian begs to go to church. That was in my, I was like, what? How really, I loved God that young? And the whole point is, is that God had, a, he had to build, he built in me for a desire for the house of God way before I ever knew it. But my level of intimacy finally caught up to the point where I said I was willing to say Yes. That was in me way before I knew it was in me. And there's this uniqueness in every one of you. There's this skill. You just got to get your heart in it. You got to get the place where you desire what God desires. And when you look at the woods and you see this plan, I got to build an ark. Sometimes we just say, oh my gosh, it's too much work. Is it worth the work? I promise you it is. I promise you it's worth the effort. 
here's, here's another cool thing. When you, look at, when you look at Noah's life, I'm not real sure how good his boys were. Because it says there was only one blameless and one righteous. Didn't say his boys were. It said, it said Noah was. But here's the cool thing. When Noah got on board, his family got on board. His boys were rescued because of him, but they were a huge contributor to the boat being built. And sometimes we don't quite fully understand the level of when we say yes, dads, to following Jesus, that there are some cute little babies following behind you saying yes, I'll do that too. Mom, when you say yes, All of a sudden, there's these other people. When you say yes as a friend and that friend that's been following you for years and you say, yes, let's build the ark, all of a sudden, that friend says, hey, let's build. I'll I'll help you. I'll come. It's amazing how Noah saying yes influenced an entire family. They all joined in. They begin to participate because Noah said yes. Had they ever built a boat? Probably not. But they had a plan, and they had passion, and they had it in their heart, and they desired to do what God asked them to do. That is what's required for you to participate with God. This last thing I'm going to say here, it says in verse 18, it says, but I will confirm my covenant with you. Did you know that God is wanting to cut a covenant with you? Just like he did Noah. In fact, this, this plan that God has is so big that it requires a covenant. And he goes on, he says, So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, a female into the boat, with a, a male and a female into the boat with you to keep them from, um, from alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small. It's amazing that it's like every kind of every kind of every kind of every kind of, and we think that God doesn't care about us. That God was so in the details of every little st- Every little chipmunk, squirrels, whatever they are, mice apparently because they made it through the flood. (laughs) Possums, really? Not real sure what happened there. Right? But they made it because God cares. And yet we don't think God cares about us sometimes. Really, go back to the flood and be reminded of what made it through it. That's a fascinating thing when you think about it. But he did this. He said this in verse 17. I mean, in verse 18, he said, I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wives and your sons and, your, and the sons and their wives. I don't like that. <laughs> Things I think in my head. We gotta fix that, Matt. <laughs> Don't you love us as a family? I love it. Third point. This is the power of, of participation. Is that particip- participation preserves what would have been destroyed? His sons, his family would have died. They would have been killed. But his participation in it preserved what would have completely been destroyed. All of the earth would have been done. They would have been. It would have been nothing but Noah said yes to something that was so 
seemed like maybe I don't understand the significance of I don't understand all of this. But verse 20, at the very end of it, it says this. He basically says, I want you to bring all of these different animals and blah, blah, blah. And he says this. And they will come to you and you will, so that you can keep them alive. That God cared so much that he was willing, that Noah's involvement with God kept all of these things alive. And here's my point in that, is I know that God, we're not saving the world in this sense right now, but there are some things that we're called to keep alive. And our participation is required to keep it alive. There may be people's marriages on the brink of divorce. They may be in a hot mess. Their kids may be running from them. There may be a guy that's on the verge of having an affair. There may be a, a, a business person on the brink of, of bankruptcy. And it is you breathing life into them, saying yes to the plan that keeps them alive. I know that's a lot of pressure sometimes to think that you saying yes keeps something alive. But I also want you to take this and understand that your yes keeps them alive. That we need to understand the significance of the roles that we're called to in our lives. That our yes sustains and keeps things alive. That me sitting down with someone matters. That me hearing something matters. That me having the wisdom of God to share with somebody matters. And it keeps them alive. All I'm trying to tell you today is to build your boat. Say yes to the plan that God has for you. Stop saying you don't have the time. Stop saying you don't have the skills. Stop saying you don't have, if you don't have the passion, that's okay. You can get passion. Passion is a direct correlation with intimacy. I am as passionate to God as I am intimate with him. And I am as, in, I am as involved with God's plan in my life as I am passionate and in intimacy with God. They are directly correlated. And so many of us want to do the plan of God, but we're not in intimacy with God. And there's this break, there's this connection, this disconnect. Because what you, what you are doing, you may not be doing for God, but you should be doing for God. You may be doing the very thing that you're called to, but you're not doing it for God. There are tons of actors and actresses and singers and all the different people that are in the world. They're doing things but they should be on worship stages calling people into the presence of God. They're doing things, they're just not doing it for God. They're building their boat, but they're building their boat and not his boat. My, my job and my goal for you to, to today is to say, okay, I don't wanna just build my boat, I wanna build his boat with my life. And man, you can stand this morning Here's the thing, God uses people to preserve and rescue the world from the destruction of sin. He used Noah to rescue the world. He used Noah to rescue the world. He wants to use you to save people from the sin that they may be in. But when you don't care about building the boat, 
and you, you just chop up everything to being, well, God's got grace and mercy for me, and he'll, like, come on. At, at some time, we got to take responsibility and ownership of not just having grace and mercy. Grace and mercy is great, but grace should be calling you into an intimate, deep relationship with Jesus as God, I want what you want, not what I want. Grace isn't so you, I mean, that's what happens in Romans. They're like, oh, so if we keep sinning, we get more grace. He's like, dude, you got this whole thing wrong. The whole point of you getting grace is so that you don't sin. It gives you the power to not sin. Grace is the power to give you strength in something you don't have the strength for. There's this last verse in, 20, in, verse, in, in uh, verse 22, and it says this. This is going to be important. This is really, really important because this is what it says. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. There are no short corners in purpose. There, there, are no, there, there are no shortcuts in doing the plan of God for your life. He didn't build it 150 feet long, and he didn't build it 50 foot wide, and he didn't build it 32 foot high, and he didn't just put the door on the, down at the bottom. He, put it, he, didn't, he did it exactly how God asked him. He's like, you know what, that, that window at the top, that whole thing with the 18-inch thing, ah, let's exit. No, he did exactly how God asked him. God's into the details. God's in the details of your purpose and you participating and you saying yes to whatever it is that he has for you. Let this be a year where we as a church rally around our purposes. I would say, okay, God, you've put our church in this city for this city. I mean, did he put this city in the city for the city? Right? He did. He put it in this city. Right? Like, for the city. Like, I think it's about, oh, I don't know the church. And then we're spending all of our time in wherever. Like, there is a city to be reached. And let's do that. Let's this year be a people of, peop a people of purpose that say, okay, God. We're going to participate in whatever it is. God, we're going to build our ark. We're going to build our boats. There are people that we're going to send and we're going to start rescuing them. That let this be, this last year, kudos to you guys. It was our, our most giving year we've ever given as far as missions and outreach. We gave almost $100,000 away. Let's make it, let's make it 100,000 this year. Let's, let's make it 150,000 this year. Where we are influencing and touching the city for Jesus. But do you know that that's a great idea? That's a great thought, but that can't be because Pastor Brian wants to do it and the team wants to do it. It has to be because you're on board and saying, hey, how can we creatively touch this community, touch the world, right? And here's the thing, guess what? I'm not God and I can't tell you what you're supposed to build. But God loves you and he wants to tell you what you're supposed to build. I don't care how old you are. That wasn't an issue. You have something to contribute to society. And I just want to encourage you that you would say, okay, God, that's me. I'm, I'm going to take the plan of God serious this year for my life. God, you've blessed me with wealth. God, you've blessed me with wisdom. God, you've blessed me with energy. 
God, you've blessed me with age. You've blessed me with whatever it may be for you. He's blessed you. So Father, I lift up every single person in this room. And God, I pray that we would not just hear the story of Noah and say, I'm thankful that he did that. But God, we would see ourselves as Noah and that the fact that God is asking us to build something specific, something unique. God, that you've already put the skills in us, God. That, that Noah didn't have to go and learn how to build a boat, God. That the skills were already in him. That God, you just had to get his heart in line with your heart. That you just had to get him to be passionate about what you were passionate about. So God, I pray that you would align our hearts with the kingdom this, this year. God, let our hearts, God, be, be so in sync with what it is that you've called us to do, God, that, that we can't help but make you famous on the earth. That God, while people are being made famous and, and shows are being made famous and things are being made famous, God, let this be a year where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is made famous through this church in this city, God, that when people come into this city, God, that they know that, that God is the number one thing, God, that we lift him up, we exalt him, that we, that we believe that he is the great I am. So Father, I pray that you would help every person believe their uniqueness within them and embrace it and love it own it from the youngest to the oldest God I thank you this morning God that you would that you would allow them God to see the beauty of who they are and the role that they play in the kingdom in Jesus name we thank you God let this prayer God hit heaven and father we thank you God that you would stir their hearts God when they that when they dream they dream what it is that it is what you have for them God that it wouldn't be something that they dream of to build their own homes and their own worlds and their own lives but God it would be what can we do to contribute to the kingdom of God how can we become better and more intentional in whatever it is this morning maybe you've never given your life to Jesus I want you to know this morning that Jesus is inviting you into that boat to rescue you to save you to put purpose on the inside of you and to wake you up to it and if that's you this morning you've just been living life on the outside with no purpose without a relationship with Jesus and this morning you say that's me I want I want a relationship with Jesus I want to start my life with him if that's you this morning I want to ask if you'd slip your hand up real quick so I can know who you are you said that's me I'm giving my life to Jesus today in this room right now come on lift your hand if that's you this morning you said that's me that's me Let's pray this prayer. There may be someone online that's saying yes to the Father. To say this, dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe you, Jesus, died on the cross for those sins. That you rose again on the third day to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I ask you, Jesus, reveal the purpose and the plan you have for my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.